Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, do you really feel like there's a first time for everything? I'm going to tell you what my government teacher told me. If you don't get caught, it wasn't illegal. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm Blake, and a lot of times the first time you do something, uh, it's, it's it gets you in trouble. And I'm here with Toby Walters, who's never been to jail, and my co-host, Toby Walters. <laughs> I've never been to jail as far as you're aware. Oh my gosh. You didn't do a background check on me when you uh, got did you, hired. Did you do a background year. check on me? No, but we are actually starting to do background checks are because we like we're, we're becoming a real company. It's, it's so weird. Please don't do one on me. I, I know. have some bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first time for everything. This is our first time ever to have a two-part episode. Tech yeah, it is. And uh, we, you and I had a little first time ever last night. Actually, uh, my son had a first time ever in that he went to his first concert ever. And Blake, you were there too. How did it feel, Toby, attending the concert with your second favorite son, knowing that your first was there? <laughs> I wrote that joke yesterday night. <laughs> Who's my first favorite Me, son? Me, obviously. Oh my gosh. So uh, we went to NF last night, and not like we were on a date, Blake. We, you went with your wife, right? We went together. We just went completely different sections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You and and uh, it was it was a great show. Um, yeah, I thought the sound was fantastic. I thought the system was designed beautifully. And where were you at? I was literally the top like elevation on the thing. Yeah, I was pretty close to the top of the. I thought it sounded awesome. Yeah. Now I have nothing to compare it to. I've got that artist with that mix in that stadium, but I thought this sounds tremendously better than I expected. So I had the unfortunate reality of going to. So this is at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, and two nights previous, I went and saw Greta Von Fleet which I really enjoy, Greta. It's like a modern-day uh, Led Zeppelin. But the sound was terrible. And oh. I was sitting, you know, again, way up in the 300 section, and it all we were getting was, like, the reflections. The, the way the system was designed, the array hangs, they were not hitting the upper ranges. So we were just getting the bounce from the arena, and it was terrible. And so I was just assuredly hoping that the NF system would be designed better and it it really was. It sounded amazing. So then you have the literal A-B test from the same week. So yep. that tells us that the NF front of house mixer was was kind of crushing it. And, I mean, you don't realize this. I mean, every, every artist is different. But NF has the advantage in that a lot of his sound is through tracks. Like the, the front of house guy is just mixing direct tracks. He's not doing, you know, live amps and... Uh, it, they did have a live drummer. NF is singing with a live drummer, but that's it. Everything else is tracks. So it does make his job a little easier. Speaking of tracks, I do have a question for you. How do we feel about that? Because it was very clear to me, it, it, tell me if I'm right about this. There was He had a track rap, rapping the whole thing for yes. him and then he was just singing with it. And I was like, huh, it's kind of weird. 
So I was, uh, as my son and I were driving to the concert, we were listening to some NF to prepare ourselves. And uh, no freaking way. a song, Hope, off his new record. Best song like, he ever did. You know, 30 years of this, 30 years of that. And, and so I turned to my son, I said, how in the world is he going to pull this off live? Because the rapping he is doing is just insane. How does he even remember that? How does he even breathe? And so for him to have the backing track is essentially, you know, he's rapping on top of himself rapping and it makes a bunch bigger sound. I know it's like you can look at it as they're cheating, but also there's no way to pull it off. Like it's humanly impossible as far as I can tell to do it without that rap track. Yeah, I do think it feels like a cheat and it also feels necessary. Um, I do have a take from the concert. I've never been to a big concert. Like I've did a sat down thing at the winery with uh, with Siggy back in the day, but I mean that's not a that's not like a stadium. I don't know why we do fireworks anymore. We should just do lighting design shows because lighting design kicks fireworks. Ross beeped this <laughs> like I mean it literally <laughs> kicks its like it's incredible. And it's it's a different world now than it was 20 years ago. Like the lighting, just the lighting technology has come so far. And I mean, we've had several great lighting designers on as guests. And what they're able to do is just they are absolutely artists creating a, a scene that is unimaginable now with the toys they have to play with. But it was awesome. Weren't you dead center? No, I was a little off to the right. Well, because like at one point it looked like it was shooting the lights into the crowd. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine sitting over there. Yeah, it had some lasers that were just, oh, they were so cool. It was incredible. So uh, now we're going to take back to our um, part two of our episode with Caleb Lepke. I uh, wanted to keep the intro story, keep a little bit of the uh, structure the same. So uh, get back to that conversation. Okay, Blake, I want to... I want to just lay out the numbers here. Oh my gosh. Wait, what on what? So you guys help me through this. I'm going to walk through what, where my mind goes through what we've seen on this survey, what we know about the reality of the world, me being an employer and hiring people. I just want to lay out like categories of numbers on where churches and people should expect to land. So you're the grand poobah now, Caleb push back on any of this. I'm going to say 38 to 48 is entry level salary for an entry level position, like a tech associate, somebody that's, you know, running sound at different events, doing VBS and youth during the week. They're coming up, they're young on the team and they're not in a leadership role. Like 38 to 48 in that range is, is totally reasonable for entry level. I would bump that to 40 to 50 in my world. Um, I think the only, I think the only, um, caveat is the billies. Okay. The Mm -hmm. billies that are like the real, real, real young (laughs) or whatever that looks like. Um, oftentimes they will, you know, jump in at that closer to 38, $40,000 range. Um, I am not saying that that is a job or a number that you should jump at. Um, there has to be some very specific things that like you as a candidate are looking at and going, Hey, does this work for me? Um, one other thing that I want to say real quick, like as we talk about numbers is like when you're talking about negotiations in your salary, everything that you are getting in that offer letter is negotiable. Everything, the, your vacation time, your whatever else that you want to have your cell phone, you know, reimbursement, your mileage, your, um, if you're a pastor, this could be a stipend account for books and resources and conferences. Um, it could be, you know, uh, I don't like work from home days, maybe. Yeah. Work from home days, whatever that is, like literally everything is negotiable in this conversation. And so, um, 
there's many, many times that churches, and I hear this from candidates. I was literally interviewing a candidate like a couple weeks ago that they were like, hey, we know that we as the church cannot pay you more money. Like we, our budget is completely tapped. We love you. We want to do everything we possibly can to keep you, uh, but we know that it's tapped. So here's what I'm going to offer you. It's basically like an almost, un, you know, for this guy, it was like an unlimited vacation policy, basically. It's like, get your crap done and you don't have to be here if your crap is done. Like we very much expect you to do your stuff and be proactive and like still building stuff. But if that takes you 35 hours in a week to do it, see you later. We'll see you next week. You know, like that's a very real value when you look at money versus time. And so that's just something to note in the, in the process. Yeah, that's great to add in there. And also don't take uh, these numbers and then go to your church and say, hey, I listened to the Church Gear podcast. And they said, so uh, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of helpful advice. So we're uh, 40 to 50 range for uh, like entry level techs, associates, whatever. And we know that all of these things are kind of a a sliding scale depending on where you live, like California and Oklahoma are different cost of living. So uh, we recognize there's there's some difference there. Uh, Caleb, I'm going to assume like if you are a tech lead, if you're an audio lead or an audio director, a video director, or if you were like a campus lead, a campus tech director, that it should be like 55 to 65 um, kind of range, maybe even a little more depending on experience and skill level. Uh, yeah, I think um, I like to think of them in less of like the role titles and more of the church size. I think that that's more of an accurate representation to what a church can pay rather than like what the role is titled. There's a lot of like, like at the chapel, I was production director at Christ community. I think I started as technical director and just because of their language. And then for some reason during a reorg, we, we changed it to production director. Um, and so like the titles can get confusing to people and people get very all like up in the air about what their title is. Um, and so when you look at church size, you go, okay, like I understand the size and scale of what a church of 1,500 to 2,000 of a TD role is versus a church of 6,000 and four multi-sites. Like that's very, very different role, although the titles could be the same. And once you get to uh, kind of the multi-site, you start to get the the title of global. I know we're we're trying to you know steer away from titles, but you you get the reality of like you're now a global tech director, or you're a you know you're leading a team, a staff of like four or five people, and that's that's a yeah. very different thing than being the tech director at a fifteen hundred person church, where you're like it's me full time, and I've got some volunteers. Um, but I assume as you step into some of these, you know, large multi-site churches and you are a global kind of director, you're leading large teams. Uh, are we like 70 plus to, to be in a realistic range? Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, uh, where I see a lot of those high level leadership roles, um, and we're talking, so like, let me talk about what this person looks like as the cartoon character. If you live in a marketing world or whatever this is like, who is that? That customer avatar and person. Yeah. The custom, the customer avatar. And so when I think of that, uh, let's keep the guy's name as Billy cause it's, it works. Um, uh, has been in a multi-site church before or been in a very large church. Uh, maybe it's only one campus, but they're serving at a very, very high level. Um, and typically in those seats, they could be reporting to an executive pastor. They could be reporting to a creative director, creative pastor. Sometimes it's a worship pastor, but the bigger the church you go, I don't know, the more like people that end up being above you, um, in many ways. Um, uh, when I think of age ranges, um, these people are typically in their like lower thirties. 
Um, 30 to 35 years old is a sweet spot where they haven't like completely moved out of a, a ridiculous salary bracket. That's not possible for some churches yet. Um, but they're definitely on the high end of, of some of those, um, roles and they have led full-time or part-time staff before. It's very, very like important to churches that we are surveying from a slingshot perspective, obviously depending on size, but like if there, there are people underneath them, uh, just like you or I wouldn't necessarily want somebody to come in and just like be my boss. Who's never been a boss of somebody before that feels a little scary. And on the flip side, I go, well, then when in the world are people going to take a chance on them to actually do it? Like, so I get it. Like I got, I got lucky to step in a role that I had been in before or that I had been in and then was kind of promoted internally to this role. So now I had the experience to, to say on my resume, Hey, I led, you know, for, full-time staff or whatever it was. Um, and so I think that's a massive, massive piece to that. And then whether you like it or not, like me having three children, I have a eight-year-old, a six-year-old or a five-year-old who turns six next week and a four-year-old, like that adds a very real financial dynamic that changes for me and my needs. Um, it, for me and my wife, than it does for um, my wife and I, if we didn't have any kids and we lived in the exact same place, it's just like, uh, the numbers might not be that far off, but they, they would definitely be different. Or at least my attitude about, uh, making sure that I got it is very different. I go, I just won't say yes to that. Like, it's just not possible, you know? So, yeah. And, uh, there are, and I mean, you can confirm this for us. There are 80, 90,000, even $100,000 plus jobs out there at large churches looking for high level leaders, production directors, even pastors of production. But I assume as the, the salary gets bigger, the church gets bigger, then their expectations of the qualifications of the candidate get way higher as well. So, um, you know, we, we also need to approach this point like, if you want to move from that $40,000 level entry tech, up to, you know, 90, a hundred thousand dollar plus, like you've got a long road of leadership skills, like tech skills, people skills that you need to develop on the, along the way, because there's a whole lot more $40,000 production jobs out there than there are close to a hundred thousand dollar production jobs. Correct. Uh, that is, that is the most accurate statement you could possibly say. There are those roles that pay 80, 90, hundred, hundred plus, um, you know, positions often with a housing allowance. Those are great salaries, you know, regardless of like where you're at in the country, like it's very, very livable. Um, and, but they're, they're very far between each of those roles. Like you don't find them every day. Don't expect to find them every day. And to be honest, the church, if they're offering that much for one of these people, they have some serious expectations that you're going to come in with this experience or knowledge to be able to lead at that capacity and actually like serve the church well. Um, and so, and, and if I'm being honest, guys, like there's not a lot of those people in, in the country anymore. Um, they've all moved on to other things. And, um, I don't want to say like, if I, if I take my, myself for an example, not that I'm like this most incredible production person on the planet in any way, shape or form, but I go, I left a year ago, I hit 10 years and I left a year ago, uh, 10 years of ministry, you know, and I left to, to go do my next thing. And, um, will I ever go back to a church one day? Maybe if guy calls me back into something like that, but for now, like I left and I stepped away. And so knowing that, 
like who are these churches going to find if uh, the people who are in your current seats who are making 50, 60, 65, you know, whatever that is, isn't growing into being, becoming the leader that is that $90,000, you know, production person at a very large church that you have influence and decision-making and, um, you know, authority to, to do things in a, in a role and execute at a high level. You know, it's funny you say that because I'm not remembering it offhand, but I want to say our 18 years plus was the most amount of people in the survey. Like we had a lot of people who'd done that. And then we also, I want to say eight to 10% of our people said 90 K plus salaries. So like, yeah, they, they definitely are out there and exist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Caleb, uh, you may not know this answer, but, uh, what would you say, uh, typical, if let's even properly paid tech director, let's just go with Billy's making 65 K at a 1500 person church. He's the tech director there. Um, what could Billy essentially, and this is really hard to answer if he left and he went out into the industry, could he easily make a hundred K or is like the discrepancy between like going out and working for the touring industry or in a news station? Is it, is it that big a difference? Uh, you're talking big a difference in salary. Yes. Um, man, that's a great question. I mean, I think, oh man, I think so much of it had to, has to do seriously, like on their skill set. I mean, I think I know guys that work in a church that possibly either have previous touring experience or have the chops because of their church size or what they're doing and the level of production that they're doing. I go, any one of those guys could tour tomorrow and crush it. Many, many guys from Bayside out in California, uh, great friends of mine, all those guys came out of there and are doing incredible touring um, opportunities now that they've left church and are like crushing it. I don't know how much they're making, but they're, they're doing great. Um, so when you look at people who like leave full-time church, like uh, let me speak to the freelance side of it. Um, uh, it's about the skills that you have, but I would say even more, it's about the people that you know. Like if you have somebody who works for or who owns a production company or is local to your area and you're able to, you know, get some sub freelance work while you're full-time at a church, that's great. And if you ever want to leave, I'm sure they take many more of your day rates, you know, to be able to come in and do whatever you want to do. Uh, you just got to be willing to travel your your butt off and and be willing to be on the road. And uh, it goes back to that time versus, you know, money, you know, conversation. And it's like, ah, I don't really know. Um, so it's out there, but like I, I would not tell like church production people to jump out of their role to go try to make a bunch of money going freelance. I mean, I think it's possible, but you you better have some really, really great contacts to make sure that you can like can hit your, you know, kind of money income requirement that you're going to try to hit on a monthly basis. Yeah, it definitely seems like a lot of travel is uh, on the table in that scenario. Um, Caleb, one of the things that I thought was interesting that I just want to hit real fast was reporting to everyone. Um, we had the following as people that were reporting to creative pastor, worship leader, executive pastor, lead pastor, production manager. All of them had 15 to 26% of the vote. Who should these people, who should tech people be reporting to? Like, is there actually a clear answer there? Like, is that, are any of those warning signs, if you see it on a job, job application that you'd be reporting to X, like, are any of those, you know, don't go there or, oh, you should go here? Oh man, I've seen, I've seen everything um, in the reporting structure and like where people are landing. I think, um, I don't feel like I have a good answer, but the answer that I would say is that it's different in every church. 
Um, and when I think of like church size, you know, I, I like going back to that church size scenario of like that 1500 to 2000 person church, typically the executive pastor is also doing all of operations, all of finance, all of, uh, let's say whoever might be overseeing it or facilities and stuff like that. And so oftentimes these production people land under an XP, um, where they're, I wouldn't call them peers with a worship pastor, but like they're in a different department and definitely have like, we would call them solid lines or dotted lines, you know, to, to whatever their leader is. Um, and I think uh, as it grows and as like a church grows size, uh, it all of a sudden turns into, hey, there has to be a buffer because the creative department between worship and production, or let's say even communications, there's gotta be a bridge there because now the XP has way too many people to have reporting to them. And so they'll bring in a production or like a creative pastor or something like that, that, you know, possibly the worship pastor is reporting to, possibly the worship pastor is also the creative pastor. I see that all the time as well. Um, and there's no right or wrong answer, but the only thing that I would say that's like crucial to anybody's listings, like success, um, is if you have the opportunity to help shape or influence that decision of who I'm reporting to, like do it with somebody you work well with. I mean, seriously, like, the, like people don't leave jobs because of the job or the organization. They leave jobs because of their leader is regard, like it, that's just, that that is the case so, so often. Um, I have done that before, Christ Community. I was not leaving my boss. My boss there was amazing. Um, and she was one of the best like leaders that I ever had in ministry from for me. So that's a, you know, kind of different scenario, but um, for, for so many people, like if they don't have like the good relationship, that's honest with those, um, you know, with their superior, like it just doesn't, it doesn't go well. You can't have these honest conversations and it kind of takes away like this, like ministry mindset that churches should have. And, you know, uh, it can very easily turn into like this corporate hierarchy of org chart. And it's very important that like you as a person in your organization, regardless of where you sit in the org chart, um, think of it like that and go, Hey, God has put me in the spot for where I'm at today. And I'm going to try to serve the best I can. So now there's no right, right or wrong answer about like who they should report to. Um, but often it's going to be the worship pastor, creative pastor, or an XP. Okay. We're uh, switching gears again. I feel like we're playing uh, popcorn questions today. And yeah, I, poor I like Caleb's it, having know? to do whack-a-mole with all of the hardest topics in church. Totally. Tech. <laughs> Look at his face. <laughs> so uh, let's switch gears a little bit uh, to expectations of the job and hours. So uh, a church tech could be, let's say he's offered 65K to come to this church and here's your job description. And you understand that Christmas and Easter are going to be crazy times. And there's going to be a, you know, a couple months during summer where everything slows down a bit. So it's going to balance out. But all of a sudden, uh-oh, uh, Aunt Jean died. You need to do her, you need to run sound for her funeral. And then we got a wedding this week. And, oh, we got uh, VBS needs you to come run sound for them. And all of a sudden, there's all these extra events, all these expectations um, that, you know, all of a sudden, you're working 65 hours a week doing all these extra events. Should or do churches pay extra for these? Or should the, the tech negotiate, you know, kind of a contract rate for outside events that the church is putting on them or extra hours and all to, of your wisdom to give you some context like when we did we looked through the written responses we got a lot of people talking about this one of the quotes that we highlighted was it'd be nice if salary people were eligible to be paid the same hourly wage as hourly employees when we work over 40 hours due to special events like 
banquets, conventions. Yeah. Toby mentioned the funeral thing. I'm not going to say this person's name, obviously, but I know of a person that the m- most angry they ever were with their pastor was when they had to do a random funeral and their pastor just, it got dumped on them. Um, you know, we travel and talk to a lot of techs and that did not yep. go well. Sorry, to finish the quote, they usually don't take away any of our weekly duties and simply add to them. I agree we shouldn't get paid for events if we stay under 40 hours that week, but often that's not the case. So just talk to us about events and how you guys handle that. Uh, events were the bane of my existence as a production director because uh, in a multi-site environment where I was the go back to the clo- like global language, uh, global production, you know, person overseeing all of these campuses, all of the staff or some sort of mixture of them. Uh, we had so many campuses and so many different events, women's ministries, funerals, weddings, all this stuff. Like I could have hired a full-time person just to oversee all of these events. And it doesn't stop like ever, ever, ever. It does not stop. Um, and so part of like, that was a massive like initiative that I made both of the chapel. It was a little more like structure when I came to Christ community, which I'll walk through, but like um, at the chapel, we had basically presented an option to the executive pastor at the time of just going, Hey, if it's an outside organization, they have to pay us uh, like as the production person, like kind of a non-negotiable, it's a very, very low rate. I mean, it's like $150 or $200, you know, to show up for an hour or two hours for a wedding. You make a couple hundred bucks, they pay you directly. It doesn't touch the church. Great, awesome. Here's the problem. You're doing a funeral, okay? And all the family members are sad because it's a funeral. Um, you don't want to be the guy that walks up and is like, hey man, like I'm going to go now. Can I like get paid? Like that's awkward. That's real awkward. Blake does uh, it to and me been, all the time. <laughs> Right after your There's, family members die? How many family members <laughs> you have dying, Toby? And who's killing them? I mean, it's, uh, I literally like walked away from a wedding once and I was like, well, I'm not going to get paid for that because I, I cannot go and ask uh, for, for this funeral or whatever, whatever it was. So um, in that context, um, should have just gone up to the bride's then, father and put your hand out. He's used to getting bills in that season of his life. Hey man, give me some money, please. You know, uh, watch watch Parks and Recreation. Money, and please. Like, money, please. That's what I did when I took a shot with Toby. I just went, money, please. Uh, oh, that's yes, good. I, love I do that so all the time. Uh, hey, look, I also Parks, acted like quick, quick moment of brevity. Park, Parks and Rec or Office? Office. Ah, oh. sorry. I think I might give it fifty-one percent Office, but I think Parks and Rec's right there. All right. Yeah. Anyways, events. Anyways, um. So we had that kind of policy, like outside events. And for the most part, like that was our expectation. But then when it came to internal events, like, hey, women's women's pastor has a Tuesday night gathering every night. And because their group has grown over, let's say they're our smallest venue in the, in the church, like now they have to move up to this larger venue that has more technology needs. And for me to make sure that on Sundays or on Thursday nights for rehearsal, like, things are going well, I, I have to be there. So that like, that really sucks. Um, and part of the thing that we try to do, and this was not just from a staffing side, but like we tried to create systems and processes that were as simple as possible to use for a volunteer to walk in, push a button, turn a 
projector on, projector drops down, whatever it is, microphone, all these things, super stupid simple so that they could set it up themselves. And then our staff as the global production centralized team was responsible for making sure that they were trained. And if they aren't trained effectively, then it's your problem to make sure that these, that this event happens. So our rule was basically like, you don't have to do every single event, but you have to make sure that that event is set up for success. And sometimes that's through, um, you know, training a volunteer. Sometimes it's through finding another volunteer who might be serving on your team and mixing audio week to week that wants more opportunities. Hey man, can you do this thing on Tuesday night? Um, or whatever that looks like. Um, and then when I went to, so that was like the chapel's policy when I was there, um, that we had kind of created, um, uh, at Christ community, I believe at the time we were for outside events, they were paying, gosh, I think it was very similar structure. Like the, the organization paid the employee directly, but it was like a lot more, uh, structured where I think that like the people, Hey, we're having a wedding. Like, I think they signed like a, like a, a, an agreement, like, Hey, we're going to pay the pastor this much. And we're going to pay the tech person this much. Um, there were times that like, Hey, was a, let's say it was a big funeral in the church and like a really like, um, you know, I don't know. We, we actually had a pastor die on staff. Like it was all hands on deck. Like, like we, like there's no getting paid. Like this is what you do. Our entire church is basically there. Our staff is there. Like we're working and we're not, you know, expecting to get paid more for it. Um, so there are seasons like that, but my view on it and what I, like to think that churches think, but it's not always the case is get your crap done and do it really, really well. Develop your team, do everything you're supposed to do. And regardless of the amount of time that that takes during your middle of your week, um, get it done. And if you get it done in 35 hours, then awesome and go home. And if you get it done in 45, then awesome and go home. Um, there's this you know thought process that I've always had of like, in college, if I had a paper that was due at, at midnight on Friday, it would magically take me until midnight on Friday <laughs> to get it done. And I would perfectly get it done in time at 11.59, I'd hit submit, and it would be awesome. And that C minus paper would be <laughs> forever in my transcript. If that paper was all of a sudden changed to Wednesday night at midnight, it would magically get done at Wednesday night at midnight. You make time for the things that are important to you and you will give as much time in procrastinating as whatever time allows to do that. That could be for Christmas scenic design. It could be for taking your volunteer out to coffee. It could be for whatever thing that you are, are procrastinating on doing. If there's no time limit or accountability on it, like it, people will take forever to do it. So I also go, um, this is me being very real now. Okay. I left ministry a year ago. I didn't realize, well, first I'm going to preface this with saying, I've been on the Church Gear podcast. I've been on a billion other podcasts, and I say the same thing. We're your favorite, though, was, right? Wait, wait, wait. We're your favorite. I'm your favorite. I'm right. your favorite. Uh, at the end of the day, I was a massive advocate for like not wanting to be burned out, not wanting to work more than what I should, trying to get my guys to not work as much. Um, and my thought process in my head was I work like crazy. This is insane. I work every weekend. I, I do all this other stuff. Um, this is terrible. And then I left church. And a year later, I can say that I had more free time on my hands at church than I ever have had in my entire life. 
That's just me. And I think that deep down, there's many other people that would say that. And I don't say that I was just sitting around, but what I would say now is like, my role is very different today in working at Amplio and what I do here. It's very, very different. I, I work, I have a team. We work Monday to Friday and we work with our heads down and we do great work. It's awesome. It's very, very different because of the schedule of the way that like my weeks were oriented at church. It was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights at rehearsal. I was off on Mondays and Fridays. We had Saturday services and Sundays. So there was all this like weird breakup in the middle of the week of like, when are we coming in today? When are we not? Like it was like so loosey goosey that it like allowed for me to just have more space. Like, uh, and I, and I built that space in for our team too. Like we made sure that we weren't just running around like crazy every week. Um, but I feel that I was telling my dad that like last week where I was just like, man, like I feel the weight of like, maybe I had more free time than I thought on my hands because now I'm working at a different capacity and a different like speed. And it's just like, it's very different for me. So that's my personal experience. Um, and I thought it was a joke because somebody told me before I left, they're like, you don't know how cush your job is. Like, why are you leaving? I was like, what are you talking about, man? He's my best friend. And he was like, your job is so cush and you're going to, you're going to have a wake up call when you get to the real world. And I was like, okay. And, uh, I wouldn't say that it's, that it's, uh, terrible, but it's very, very, very different than what I, uh, thought that I had in my head of my perceptions of like what I was doing at church. So that's my perspective. And I would call it out to say that there's a lot of people that are doing the same in their church. Yeah. That's fascinating. Cause I mean, you're just being vulnerable yourself. You're not calling about anybody else. You're just saying that's your experience. And I know um, from talking, like we've hired guys that, you know, we're in full-time production director roles in churches and it can be grueling, but it's a weekly rhythm. You're, you're making Sunday happen each week. And like you said, there's a lot of weird times around that, but when you jump out into just normal business, like business just never stops and there is Ever. no weekly rhythm. It's just, Oh, I'm awake. Yes. There are emails to answer. There is stuff to do. Um, so it's, there are pros and cons of both things, but just because you're feeling yes. burnout, don't think that life is easier just out in the business world necessarily. Yeah, correct. I, I, I would say in general, regardless if you're going out of ministry or if you're going to another church, I ask candidates all the time and I, I tell them all the time, uh, the grass is not greener. The grass is never greener wherever you're going. You know what your yard looks like where you're at. You know the pea brown spots you got around the yard and the weeds <laughs> yeah, and most all this of other them junk from you have. Blake. I was just about to joke. It sounds like I'm the only one with greener grass because this job <laughs> kicks my other job's butt. <laughs> I'm paying you to too much. Toby, don't hear that. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know what you're like living in. You know what's good and what's bad about like where you're at. And and you can jump over and like jump over the fence and see a little bit of green and go, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Um, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. I mean, uh, my dad says it, says it best. There are stupid people everywhere you go. Okay, so I'm not calling all of you stupid. I'm just <laughs> saying that many of us work with some stupid people. Um, and every job that I've ever been at, there's always been, I, mean, I don't wanna call them all stupid, so 
I rescinded maybe that. <laughs> I feel like I'm digging myself a giant grave of just uh -huh. like, I'm going to have no job here. Look, after I will I, say, Kayla, we're putting a lot up. of uh, push behind the series. This could be our most visible thing all year. So yeah, oh, Lord. We're live streaming okay, this well. to the rest of the Amplio team as well right now. Oof. Please don't. <laughs> no, no, dude, all, love, all your... I love my Amplio team. All your responses have been extremely thoughtful and measured. I think you're Yeah. I, I just think... Um, I don't know. The, the grass isn't always greener. So know what you're walking into and, and know that the calling in your life, regardless of where you're going, whether it's church or an outside organization, an integrator, a tour, I don't care what you're doing. Just know like if God is like calling you into that and you feel like this thing is bringing me joy, like joy, I believe is the way that God uses uh, the calling on our heart to go, Hey, I think you should do more of this because it brings you joy because you find peace in doing it because it brings you happiness. Like that's God going, Hey, you should probably do some more of that. Like, this is really, really good. So if you can find a job to do it, awesome. Um, if you got to do it from a volunteer seat, even better. That's great. Okay. So we, uh, we got Billy. We've, uh, helped him advance to a, uh, Billy's got gray hair now at this point. <laughs> We've helped him advance Super to gray. a $65,000 salary. Let's just say, and Billy has grown his leadership skills and his tech skills and all those people skills up to that level. And the church has reasonable expectations around outside events. He's making a few bucks here and there running occasional outside events. He got married to the worship pastor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, but Billy's still thinking, man, I really need 80 to provide for my family. And I don't want to switch jobs. I like my job. I like my church. Let's talk about Caleb. Uh, how often is it uh, realistic for those guys to write into their um, just their benefits, essentially, to have a certain amount of flex days where they can take outside events, where they can charge three to six hundred dollars for a day rate, and have certain amount of days per year where they can go do that and add on to their salary? Um, yes. Uh, sometimes that is unsaid and sometimes it is said and written. Um, one of the things that I did for, uh, some of my staff over the last 10 years was like, I knew that in certain scenarios, I wanted them to make more money. And I, as their leader, didn't have the power to just snap my fingers and go, here's 60 K. I just couldn't. So one of the things that I would do often is like, get your crap done. And if you want to go freelance on Fridays, or if you want to go freelance, whenever it is, you let me know, we'll work around it. If you got to come in later to do, um, you know, something else or come in early on a Saturday to finish up some work, that's fine with me because you can make an extra 20,000, 25,000 bucks a year by freelancing and doing a bunch of contract work. And it doesn't affect us any differently, but your livelihood is better and you're happier because you're providing for your family better. Um, the dance and the scary part about that is the world that I live in. And um, uh, I don't like calling what I do at Slingshot a side hustle. It's something that I'm so passionate about and I would do it even if I, even if I didn't make money doing it um, because I care so deeply for like this church production community and making sure that like they're being advo like advocated for and that like people take them seriously. Um, and, uh, you know, part of, part of what that looks like for me was like giving people time to go freelance when they wanted to and when they, when they were able to. And um, eventually, if you do that more and more and more though, you can find yourself working on your days off. You can find yourself like not taking a Sabbath, like not doing the things that like is so crucial to your like longevity in your role. And my people and my staff or myself are not better if we're just working on our days off to compensate for a low 
salary or whatever this is that you want to make up, or you just want to make extra money and your salary is great. It doesn't really matter. Um, there's a very dangerous game in like doing that. And you have to make sure that it's like still honoring like a day off for you and your family. I was about to say lots of things there. We talk about taking care of your family and the Bible says that also, like you say, says taking a Sabbath. I'd also say if you're finding yourself overworked at every job, it's probably like you said, like maybe you're not or the grass is not always greener, but also I had the probably the wisest man I know tell me like, if what did I tell you? It was all right. I'll just say it. It was BD. Uh, Brian Deshaun say that like, you know, if you're if you're working all the time, maybe maybe you need to look a little inward. Maybe you're running from something. And like that was very wise. Um, okay, I think I want to throw Caleb a to under the bus. A, no. Oh, okay. He's throwing himself under the bus That's like a hundred times, yeah. which makes this a great oh episode. My gosh. All right. This is um, the worst. Caleb, I want to hit one last meaty section with you about what does it mean to really be fairly compensated? Because, and this is where I really want to make sure, if you're an exec pastor listening to this, just know we are for you as well, and this section is to kind of play the other side, um, because we are for the church. We are church tech advocates, but... And by exec pastor, we mean whoever is making the salary decisions at these churches. Yeah, we know that's not easy. Yeah. Um, I'm not a boss for that reason. Mm. Um, So... Do you feel that um, anyone's ever going to feel like they're paid well because... Or fairly yeah, or correctly? We had 2.5% say that they felt that they were overpaid. <laughs> now, we had people in this respondent survey that were making over 90. Um, and I'm going to just tell you guys, like, I, you know, my wife and I have decent jobs. I make more money than I thought I would as a kid. It's still, like, never... and It's never, like, I'm not poor, but it's also, like, you never feel rich. So... With 75% saying that they didn't feel pit, that they were paid accurately and only 2.5% happy, like, is it possible you're just never going to feel paid enough? Like, where's the sweet spot between you should pay me more and also I should be grateful? Because I should be grateful is is a part of it. Uh, yeah. Um, the reality is you don't go into working at a church to make buckets of money. It just doesn't, it does not work like that. Um, churches want you to be comfortable in your role. They want you to be able to have a family and kids that are, that have food on the table. I don't think, I don't know of one church that wouldn't want that for their staff. So I say that to say, um, I don't think anybody will ever be satisfied with what they have. I mean, the reality is, is like we live today in June, in, you know, 2023 and go inflation is higher than it's ever been. My grocery bills at my house are more than they have ever been in my life. And I can't believe what I'm paying at the gas tank to fill up my truck and all of these things. It's terrible. Like it's absolutely awful. And so I look at that and I go, even if I'm paid incredibly well, what is the rate of like the things going up around me to even keep up with like me being able to live at this, you know, whatever life stage or lifestyle you're living at doesn't really matter. Um, I just finished uh, this week, rereading the book, The Ruthless, Elim- the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And if you have not read it, you need to read it. And I would suggest every single production person read it. Uh, I read it Amen. maybe three, three or four years ago. And I reread it um, coming off of a summer vacation and feeling like, you know, I, I was running myself into the ground many, many, like uh, in many ways in my family life. And yeah, just a lot of different things. And so... Uh, I reread that and there's a whole section in that book about like, you know, John is talking about like 
the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and the Bible tells us that in everything that we do and chasing after money um, will not solve problems for you at all. And then, and then there was this massive survey that he quoted and I don't have the stats in front of me, I wish I did. Um, that basically your well-being and your ability to increase your happiness, this is the worldly view. So this is like, and then there was a massive, massive, massive amount of people that that um, did the survey. The median income in the United States for the, the well-being and happiness to get to that actually like money increases that is $75,000, regardless of if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area or if in your in Waco, Texas, which is very, very, very interesting, and any number above that number um, does not increase happiness or the value of what you think that you're bringing to your table or your family or the things you can buy. Um, and in that survey, it was quoted that it actually has the ability and um, often like decreases happiness in many, many ways over that number. And that was the number that this like third party, you know, did with hundreds of thousands of people surveyed across the country, um, which is fascinating. And I go, yep, more money, more problems. Like always, you know. <laughs> Me so, and my best friend have this phrase where we go more money, more problems and we pause, but still mo money. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I want to uh, sort of a, a final little statement and again, I'm not trying to get us into trouble with churches. Like I love the church. That's why I do what I do to help serve churches. But we've got to, I feel like we've got to update this average salary for church tech. So our survey, Blake, showed what's the average range for church salaries? The majority were getting paid 30 to 40. And then over, and it was like 70% were making less than 60 and then with Caleb's stat at 75, I almost feel like if we could just wipe every, write everyone up to 70 at least and then do a check-in in a year, we'd be in a good spot. So, Caleb, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like we need to move this average salary range from 30 to 40 up to 50 to 60. Like, that's where the average church tech, knowing that entry-level church techs probably shouldn't be making quite, you know, 55 yet. They should be in the Billy 40s range. Billy is still in but, the 40s. Sadly. But, like, yeah, you know, 50 to 60 should be average. And then, you know, you should have a pathway to be making 75 plus um, if you're in a high level role. Yeah, I think uh, it's a bell curve, right? There are always going to be outliers in in both sides of the scenario. You're going to have people that make way more. You're going to have people that make way less. And so much of it, like, um, I don't know what, you know, you guys are doing with some of that data. But like when I when I've looked at, uh, like many, many times churches look at compensation studies that they get from large organizations that like often they pay to buy in and then they share every single data, everything from this is how much our senior pastor makes to worship pastor. And, and these are in sizes of churches that are anything from, you know, the ranges, you know, 500 or a thousand, you know, 250 to 500, all, all the way from the micro churches to massive, massive, massive multi-site churches, the biggest in the country. And they put down there what these salaries are making so the executives or senior leadership of churches can go, are we on par with that? The problem is, that is if everybody's paying low amount of money for these church production people and they all buy into this survey, then is it actually like increasing the value of like what these people are bringing to the table? I don't think so. Um, and I think it's important for uh, churches to go, hey, what is the right um, you know, salary for this, for this person that fits in line with our pay scale at the church. Um, 
there's an incredible pastor um, that I know that I had a, had the privilege of hanging out with at Refuge in Wyoming last year. And uh, one of the things for him and his church plant was the elders came to him and said, uh, we need to pay you more. And he goes, I don't want to be paid more. You don't need to pay me more. And they go, if you we don't pay you more, you will brick us in the pay scale of anybody else we hire in the next 10 years. I don't know what he's making. No idea. It doesn't really matter. But there's a very real thing of going, hey, you can't necessarily make more than your boss. Or it's a, it's not a good look if you do, is the reality of it. Um, and most churches frown upon that and try not to do that. So if you're trying to make 75 in your role, you might not even know if your boss makes that. You know what I mean? It's not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just going like, what is the reality of where you're at? Um, and making sure that that's in line with like what is doable for the church. So yeah, that's just another, I don't know, kind of side note for all of that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, especially because you're going to really uh, constrain yourself if you hold on to that ideology. Well, are we going to land this plane? I don't want to, man. man. Caleb is dropping gold. He's being vulnerable. His backdrop is very nice for the video. Um, Caleb, if we were going to, so we're shifting the tech takeaway to what is one thing you would say to a church tech, a pastor, an executive pastor, just in general about what we've talked about today? So you can pull, you know, from anything from who's people reporting to or don't take an offer and slam it on the desk, just whatever it is. What would you say to one of those roles to kind of put a bow? on our discussion? Um, I would say, I'm going to say two. I'm going to say one of the church production guy, and I'm going to say one to the XP or senior leader, whoever that person is. Um, to the production person, um, the work that we do is a calling. Like it's, it's faithfulness at its finest to go, hey God, I know that you called me into what I'm doing. Here's the reasons why. And it's very important that you find small bits of joy in the things that you do. And whatever you can do, find incredible amounts of joy in whatever that is and shape your work day, shape your work week around the things that bring you joy that does affect the local church and helps your church become better and you know your area. Um, because if you don't have the joy, you'll start looking elsewhere. You'll start looking um, for other jobs or to try to find that somewhere else. And I think um, churches need great production men and women more now than they've ever needed uh, before in the history of time. COVID played that. Uh, there's so many other reasons why today, like that's so important. But I would just say like the work you do really, really matters. Um, being vulnerable again, when I was what I was just describing at this uh, retreat at, at Refuge in Wyoming, I was with 25 executive pastors and I was a production person that just left ministry two weeks before. So I left August, you know, August 1st, I was no longer on staff at church. Uh, 14, uh, August 14th of last year, I was in Wyoming with 25 other XPs. And he was and ready to give them an earful, baby. He's not employed <laughs> I, anymore. I wanted to, I wanted to, um, because the reality was, as I viewed those leaders the same way that I had views, viewed other executive pastors in my world before. And they weren't amazing views. They were views of just like, you're out to get me. You're all of the things that we all say um, to our bosses, say to ourselves in the shower, say to our wives when we get home, like all of these things, uh, these executive pastors were sitting here and I had so much guilt as me being very vulnerable for leaving 
ministry. I had so much guilt because these guys were telling stories of like what they had done in the last 20 years of ministry and then, you know, all of the crazy stuff that they've done. Um, and I was a guy that walked away and wanted to do something else because, you know, I felt like God was calling me to that and it, and it was all fine. But like the guilt that I have or had, um, and, and some days still have to serve the local church in, in that way, um, uh, was very real. And so like, it's a calling in your life. So for you as a church production person, like dive in and try to be the best possible person you can be. And through that, uh, healthy church cultures will bless and reward that for people that are doing really great work at the church. And your opportunity is not limited by the brick wall or glass ceiling that you think it might be um, in your role if you're willing to like do some hard things and like step into hard conversations and lead at a different capacity than what you probably have been at the very surface level. And I'm telling you that because I did it for years. Uh, it's not because uh, I'm telling you you're doing it. It's because I think there's a lot of people that, that did things like me and thought that they were diving in deep and I wasn't diving in nearly as much as I should have. Um, and on the flip side to the XP um, or senior pastor, you have a bunch of grumpy church production people that wear black. <laughs> I'm wearing white today to be the opposite of that. Um, and... Uh, they deeply care about their craft. They're really, really smart people. And the value that they bring to your organization will be determined based on the leadership that you provide them. And so if you are not leading these people well, or if you aren't encouraging them to come under your wing of leadership and the pastoral skills that you have developed in the same way that they have developed their production skills, it's not going to work for anybody. So you have to be willing to like pour into uh, these people from a leadership and culture development skill. Um, because when somebody did that for me and an executive pastor did that for me, Rick Egbert, uh, it was a game changer in the way that I viewed ministry, the way that I viewed my team, the way that I led my team and the way that I interacted with volunteers and like serve on a weekend. And so like uh, you not doing that for your team is a disservice to them. And so do it as much as you possibly can or get somebody else to do it for you if you don't have time to do it. So. Um, it's an amazing, amazing community of people. And I think that we are in this season right now that is a very, very big change and shift in the church production circle of like who these people are, where they're coming from and where they're going compared to the last 10 or 20 years. And uh, I'm very hopeful for that. And I hope that like, you know, through this podcast, through what Church Gear does, through what I get to do at Slingshot, through what I get to do at Amplio and just like being me, that we can hopefully like help um, impact and make some like serious change in the church production community that like uh, is more of a pastor than a skilled technician is what I want to see in the next 10 years. You know, I still, we still got to have skilled people. So don't stop doing that. But um it's more important to be a better pastor than it is to be the best front of house guy in the world. All right. Yeah. With well, this series, we're going to get uh, church text two things, the title of pastor, and we're going to bump that average salary up. Listen, I'm, <laughs> I think we could do it. You know, you got a lot of the forces, all the players coming on this series. So Caleb, man, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. Um, I don't know what order we're going to release these, but this will have been the first episode we've ever recorded that's been become a two-parter. So thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Sweet, dude. Man, so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. 
Blake, I just made myself lightheaded by bending over. Does that mean I'm getting old? I, Grandpa Toby, you have gone to two concerts this week on a Monday and a Wednesday, so I actually am willing to say that you're, uh, you're a spry young chicken. No more excuses on going to bed early at Philo. No more. This is two years in a row. Can I go to bed early at the MXU conference? Sure, but not, I don't know. I mean, at like, this is the end of part two of almost a two-hour conversation with Caleb. And I mean, we were digging gold. Like, I'm exhausted from digging up gold. And now we got to carry all that gold away. Yes. And you need to share that gold with people, Toby. Do you have enough energy to, to share this episode, to text it to a friend right now? Well, I feel like the best thing I can do with sharing this gold is like to dole it out to get our church tech salaries up to that proper level. Um, but uh, I guess we can start doing it by posting this stuff on social media, raising awareness. Yeah, especially if you're in a Facebook group, because you've got friends that don't know this happened and don't know these resources. You should share it with them. You really should. Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.